This is chapter three of The War on Waste Paradox, read by Len Bertain. In the previous chapter, we saw that Dr. Elby was able to get the show on the road. So the training is supposed to start at the beginning of chapter three here. So here we go. On Thursday morning, Dr. Elby walked to Jim's desk in a hurry. He had a computer printout in his hand and he looked angry. He said, Jim, what is this crap? We're trying to help this business and we need to train everybody. This printout shows that only the foremen are scheduled for training. The whole shop got quiet because everyone could hear Dr. LB yelling at Jim. Jim came around his desk and looked at the printout Dr. LB was holding and said, I just don't know why everybody's not listed. I'll give Grimes a call and see if I can find out. Jim made the call and Mr. Grimes approached his desk a few minutes later. Dr. LB held the printout and pointed to it as he spoke with Mr. Grimes. Mr. Grimes listened for a minute and then he started to get red in the face. I don't know what he said, but both of them seemed to get pretty hot. Jim got between them and pointed towards the classroom. And Dr. LB and Mr. Grimes went in there and shut the door. After about 10 minutes, Dr. LB and Mr. Grimes came out of the classroom. Mr. Grimes went back to his office and Dr. LB went over to Jim's desk and spoke with him and then left. As I worked, I tried to figure out what might have happened between Grimes and Elby. Jim glanced over in my direction and I looked away quickly. Jim walked slowly over to my area. His head was down a bit. He tapped me on the shoulder and asked almost sheepishly, I guess you saw that. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, yes, I did. What's going on? Well, Jim said, this plant isn't doing any better than your old plant, Osgood's. Mr. Grimes was initially enthusiastic about doing the training, but he had second thoughts, so he changed the scheduling. Just now, he told Dr. Elby that they couldn't afford to do the training and that he was canceling most of the training program except for a pilot group of managers. Dr. Elby came out to tell me the news. As you can see, he's not pleased. Just then, Dr. Elby appeared at Jim's elbow. He tapped Jim on the shoulder and said, Jim, I'm sorry for getting so mad. Mr. Grimes, so typical of many American executives that I have met, he can't break loose from the idea that training in people is a cost. I tried to explain to him that his people were an undeclared asset of the corporation and training the people only increases the value of that asset. He insisted that the recent quarterly results don't give him any room to do training. The bankers want immediate results on the company's loan obligation and they have to t or they may have to take some action. I really shouldn't be talking about this with you here, Dr. Elby said to me, but as far as I'm concerned, there is no reason the workers shouldn't know what is guiding the thinking of management. What the hell do I have to do to convince them? It just pisses me off. I hadn't heard Dr. Elby use any foul language before. He was beginning to sound like one of us. Dr. Elby grabbed Jim by the elbow and led him away. As they left, I heard Dr. Elby say, I've got one ace to play and now's the time to play it. They both headed to the front offices. 
I expected them to meet with Mr. Grimes. I went back to my job and got the spindle turning. About an hour later, I saw Jim heading out to my area with Mr. Grimes, Dr. Elby, and the president of our local union, Mike Day. Dr. Elby was holding the piece of paper with the times from my last setup in front of Mr. Grimes. He was telling him, and like I told you in your office, you're focusing on the wrong issue. If you focus on profit alone, you're going to make the wrong decision. The problem that you have, John, is a major disconnect from what you're telling your customers and what you can do, what your performance levels really are, and your commitment to the delivery of products to customers. In other words, if you don't align all three of those, you're going to fail. I've tracked your lead time, and it sucks at two to three months for different products. I've measured your setup times. They're taking over 35% of the available shop time, and I've measured your on-time delivery, and it is less than 50%. Why would anyone want to do business with your company with quality pumps? You have no flex in your pricing without taking it a below break-even, and you have a union contract coming up, and you tell me that you don't have time to do the training. Dr. Elby was on a roll here, and he was livid. John, the issues that you have here, we can fix quickly. But you can't do it alone, and you have to do it now. The speed with which we will see results will get you excited, John. Doctor pointed to an area of the factory and said, I was talking with those guys over there and the gals in the assembly area, and like you, and they like you and like working here, but they don't feel that this company respects them at all. They think that you and management staff are too big for your britches, as they say. In other words, they don't respect you either because you don't respect them. Let me give you a little inside information. You're going to have a lot of angry people in your next negotiation. They're fed up with your poor-mouthing them, and they want recognition for their work. They only see that respect in their paychecks. At that point, Mr. Grimes lamented. Jack, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with the employees who are saying those things. They're probably right. I haven't had time to acknowledge anyone for the last three years. It's really bad. What do I do? John, of course you know what I'm going to say. Do the training. Dr. L.B. laughed. But the process that we're going to implement will change attitudes, improve processes, increase service to your customers, make you a lot of money, and it'll be fun. Dr. L.B. turned to Mike Day and asked Mike, remember what happened over at Prescott's? Mike responded, of course. You turned them around in about four weeks, and I've never seen anything like that. Your job wasn't completed in four weeks, but they could see the results that quickly, and that saving the company was going to happen. In fact, now that we are discussing this, what really happened there? It was amazing. Dr. Elby looked at Grimes and says, Now, John, Mike and I didn't rehearse this. He is asking about what we did at Prescott's and why it worked so fast. It really was a great story, wasn't it, Mike? Mike looked at Grimes. John, let Dr. LB explain some of the team results over there. I go over there all the time, and I really like walking into the place. You can't believe what it looks like before. 
and what it looks like now. I would walk in and everybody would bitch about how bad it was. Jack came in and it changed. What really did you do? First of all, Mike, I listened to the people and boy, they have a lot to say. I never let them blame anyone because I have a philosophy of no blame to get issues on the table. You've heard me go on and on about that, but what really happens is that we listen and we respect everybody's input. We don't let any of the groups dump on an individual. We try to keep it professional. And once we do that, people accept the engagement as serious and stop the bitching and get to work on improving the place. So when you ask me what really is going on, I have to be careful because it sounds like manipulation. In a way it is. But people love being in groups. We are hunter-gatherers by nature, and the team and company structures are ways to continue that human condition. But it is not in our nature to live and work in abusive environments, and that is what you have here, Mr. Grimes. Your employees are telling you, but you are not listening. Is this making any sense? Mr. Grimes responded, Jack, it does make sense, but I don't have any experience to late relate to what you're saying. In one breath, you say my employees like me, but they don't respect me. Is that right? Dr. Elby smiled. You know, John, I was going to talk to you about something that I call the war on waste paradox, but I don't want to get into that at this time. It serves as the root of what we are talking about here. We say one thing and do another. That's the end of part one of chapter three of the War on Waste Paradox. The next time we get real serious. Thank you very much. See you in the next chapter section.